Good Monday morning. It is the start. Mackling and McNabb with you, McGarry, off for just a couple of days. Brett will return on Wednesday. And this might sound a little bit goofy, uh, but uh, I'll go out on a limb here and say, Loren, I am increasingly bothered by how dark it is when we come on the air at six o'clock. It is middle of the night dark out there. And at the, the moment. switch just went. It's it's in the last few days where you really notice that it, to me anyway. I came in here five minutes ago. We work out in the newsroom and then we work our way towards the studio as six AM approaches. And I said, it's so dark in here. And I thought it was because the lights Something was off with the lights, but it really is because it's so dark outside. And now it's that time of year where everything is off. Like I used, I get good in the summer of figuring out what time it is. You know, when you wake up, oh, it's still not six yet. Or it's, you know, it's four or, or it's pitch black. It's this time. Same when I go to bed. And now bedtime, it's dark much, much earlier as well. Uh, and anyway. the leaves. Oh, the leaves oh, on my drive. Oh, oh stop. I, they were, they're, they're beautiful, but man. Fall is coming. Fall is coming. It's back to school next week for students. And then uh, today at Red River College, we're going to visit with them after seven. Students are going back to school if you're at Red River College Polytech. So it's on. It It is on. It is on. Now, we mentioned the the weekend. You mentioned the leaves in your driveway. You said that fall is coming, but you never would have guessed it, A, by the temperature yesterday. And was Saturday not the most perfect summer day not a breath of wind the sun was shining it was i mean i think it maybe went to 23 or 24 degrees but to me it was the absolute perfect day yeah and i i realized it what felt like too late i had one of those days saturday i don't know if this happens to you where i woke up and one kid was going off to one sport activity and the other was home doing some things but then he was going over to a friend's and i started off our sink, something was wrong with our sink. It was flooding underneath and we took it apart the night before and we're trying to figure out what's going on. And so I'm cleaning up around there. Then I looked at one cupboard and I was like, oh, that cupboard needs to be, you know, organized. So I started that cupboard and next thing you know, I look up. And so I decide I'm doing the whole kitchen like- On this gorgeous Saturday? Six six hours later, I'm driving my other kids somewhere and I'm thinking, why on earth was I inside for the last few hours? Like save it for when the snow flies kind of thing. But no I just kidding. get those things happen, you know, where you start doing something and next thing you know, you're just so distracted that you just keep going and going and going because one thing doesn't look good until the thing next to it looks better. So I don't know. That was my, I, I was like mad at myself by about three o'clock Saturday. <laughs> well, hopefully you all had a great weekend. Let us know what you got up to. If you want to send us some pictures, 204-780-6868. And I asked you, uh, when you came in, if it was raining or not, because some of the streets were a little bit wet this morning. And I guess we got some rain last night, depending on where you were. Uh, Gary, who texts us every single morning, typically from his walk, too dark to send a picture this morning, says, uh, forgot to set the alarm, missed his walk. Here's the sunset before the rain began last night. So, I, I'm not, I don't think I don't it rained know. where I am. He's north of the city. So did you see some rain? And if so, I looked at the forecast because I washed both vehicles by hand yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it took up a you know couple hours for me to, to wash the cars. See, that's a good work activity to do when it's nice out. I, not indoor cleaning. No, like do no. the outdoor stuff. Yes, the outdoor But then you stuff. wanted to know if it rained after and, and destroyed some of your hard work. Yeah, and, and there, there was some moisture on the roof of my car, but I thought that was just condensation. Anyway, I... I looked at the forecast. I was comfortable that my hard work would not be undone, at least for a couple of days. So if it did rain, I apologize. It's it's clearly my fault. Uh, 
I don't know if you watched any sports at all this weekend or paid attention to the CFL or Ren, but it was the BC game Saturday. Yeah, I mean, come on. BC loses again, this time to Hamilton. Hamilton had lost at home to Edmonton. Edmonton's first week uh, win of the season last week. And then last night, Edmonton finally, finally, 1,415 days. They finally win at home. They beat Ottawa almost four calendar years uh, three seasons because, of course, we had the lost uh, season from the pandemic. But uh, things are, uh, I guess, a little cheerier in Edmonton this morning. After yeah. uh, Now they're, they've won two games in a row all it's, of a sudden. Hey, it's, uh, you know, it's better than where they were at just two weeks ago, right? And so we'll talk with Bob Irving just after 9.30 for sort of a wrap-up of the kind of crazy weekend in the CFL. And I have a question. I don't know if anyone will know the answer to this. But I took a different route into work today and noticed two things. I was coming up 200 frogs everywhere like we brett and i joked that we had been playing a game of actual frogger when we drove to the manitoba open friday just because the frogs were out so it was is this the time of year when they're up to something like do they do like the deer do and go for go for gold in the uh sexual relations department mm-hmm. or what i want to know about the frogs but i also want to rant about the fact that i'm coffee less this morning not a single coffee shop open on the way down saint mary's road not one Tell me where one is. Not the Tims by the perimeter. Not the Tims closed, but near the St. Anne's corner. Closed. Not closed. No, not the Starbucks as you approach. You know St. Mary's and St. Boniface area. Oh yeah, near the Red Top. Not there. the Tims downtown. I even did a little. I thought, you know what? Maybe the Starbucks at the Radisson because of the hotel traffic. Yeah. So I did a zip by there. Nothing. Not the Tims that's across the street. Like nothing. Maybe, Me? I don't even know, it didn't even look like 5 a.m. was going to be their time to open. You really need to move to North Kildare. I'm mad. 6-12. Took a gamble. <laughs> if uh, Loren sounds a little crabby this morning, now you know why. She doesn't have any coffee. What about the coffee here? It's not that bad, is it? I, I, I'll go for it. I just haven't yet. What's your go-to, by the way? How do you take your Black. coffee? I'm not drinking coffee because I like it. It's straight up. Straight up petrol? Yeah. There's zero. I don't care. I don't really have an opinion on it. I just need it. Can't start talking until you hear the music. Mackling, McNabb, Poitras, McCarthy, and of course in Master Control. Pulling the plug, pulling the trigger on all of our fantastic m- music this morning. The master. Is, of course, the master himself, Jeff Forche. <laughs> Jeffrey, good morning. Good morning. Were you like a Bob Barker, sick day, prices exa- right that's thing? That's exactly what, what I was going to say. Like uh, for me, Bob Barker was being at home, sick, staying home from school, laying on the couch, eating soup. And just watching some prices right. Yeah, it was uh it was a guilty pleasure if you were playing hooky as well. It was just sort of a rite of passage. It's uh it's uh of course uh, sad to hear the passing of Bob Barker, ninety nine years old, and Loren Bob Barker not only the host of In Black and White, Truth or Consequences, uh then the price is right, started in radio, some incredible 
um, news and information about Bob Barker that didn't know. I didn't realize that he was from South Dakota. Didn't realize that he was uh, mixed in indigenous heritage. Such a fascinating individual. And of course, the idea that he said no to the hair dye as well and said, no, you know what? You don't like my gray hair? Too bad. This is the way I'm going. He also, I think, had a, I don't know, raised a stink or a fuss in the 90s about Emmys. And the fact that game shows were never included oh, for daytime Emmys. And he was saying like that's a staple of people's daytime TV watching, which is fair. I, besides soap operas, which like, you know, I also <laughs> would love on a sick day. But Price is Right in those game shows were what kind of kept you going through the day. So he was sort of like, a, he spoke out a lot. Yeah. The, Cam Poitras, uh, I think uh, Winnipegers think of, will be forgiven if we think of Monty Hall as the <laughs> king of 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 the uh let's make a deal bob of the, <laughs> <laughs> of the whole game show genre so to speak but yeah. but bob barker really set himself apart uh well he was the most well known um the best thing he ever did with his career was when he went on happy gilmore it 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 totally introduced him to a totally new generation um and that was probably his that was the best decision he ever had. I don't know who approached him, but like that's that's sort of where he's going to live in infamy. He's always going to be the the original or like the host of The Price is Right for how many years. Um, but that was a really great decision when he went on and did Happy Gilmore. But like I honestly can't – I was thinking, how does Bob Barker make me feel this morning? And he makes me feel like crap. <laughs> what? Because I've never – when I look back in my memories – I'm never feeling good watching The Price is Right. <laughs> I always am sick. It's true. I have a massive headache, sometimes self-induced, most of the time not. But I'm lying on the couch, like, ill is how I remember, <laughs> Bob, like, feeling terrible. Like, I was always, I only ever watched it when I was homesick, and it's like I always had a stomachache or headache, and I'm sitting there watching The Price is Right, just, like, going, uh. So, if like, I was looking back, and that's the only thing that I feel. Maybe that's a compliment that uh, Bob Barker makes me, you know, feel bad, but uh, <laughs> what I, I feel like I'm sick when I watch, when I look at Bob Barker. Only Cam could bring yeah. it around to that. I, <laughs> I was fascinated when I realized when they said in that Farrah Nasser report that we played earlier that it's 27 years since Happy Gilmore. Like, where does the time where does the time I, that go? That 27 years yeah, old. That, that makes you, you think that Bob Barker makes you feel sick. That stat makes me feel old. And I was <laughs> reading about that, that apparently he was neighbors with Chuck Norris, Bob Barker, oh. and was training with him and was tired of losing in fights. And so when Sandler approached him about this cameo, it was about, sure, as long as I get to win the fight. The fight. <laughs> I don't know how, you know, that was Sandler's take on it, but that's the version there. And so I don't know, like, there's all sorts... To me, I I wanted to get. I would still go on that show. I'm not as big a fan of Drew in that role, but I'd still go on that show. Oh no, he's no Bob. Like, come on, it's not even close. I would go, and I would want to play Plinko. Oh, Plinko! I used to think as a kid, Plinko was the one where you go up the staircase and then you drop the sure. chips down. It has and its own show now. See, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And you'd go up, and you would be. And I just thought that staircase was elegant. It was the worst game for winning. In terms of like, you never walked away with maybe you'd get five no k. Sometimes you get twenty five k. Well, you had to guess the numbers to get the chips. Okay. Like you had to guess the cost of things. And then the thing that was funny about that was, um, it was like a rarity when you'd see this. Oh, is my computer on? Hang on one second, everybody. All right, the last one.
And that's when the chip would get stuck. Sometimes the chip would get stuck, and then he'd have to pull out his, he'd go, gotta get the stick. And he had that rare Plinko stick he'd pull out to poke the chip out. I don't remember that. Because you hardly ever saw it. It was sort of one of those things like, oh my God, it's happening. The stick's coming out. People went crazy for Plinko. I loved Plinko. Why? I don't know. I just thought it was cool. I just, I don't get that. Like, there's no skill involved in that one whatsoever. What about you, McCarthy? I, too, have sick day memories of watching The Price is Right, but I got to go with Happy Gilmore, and I have a little clip here. Okay, How you doing, Happy? I'm Bob Barker. Wow, what an honor. Nice to meet you. Looks like you and I are going to be playing together today. (laughs) That's funny. Who am I really playing with? This is a pro-am, Happy. Each golfer is playing with a celebrity. Wow. All right, I'll do my best. Hey, Gilmore, you suck. <laughs> I'd like to punch that guy in the face right now, but I can't, you know, because I'd get in trouble. I bet you got a lot of that on Let's Make a Deal. It's The Price is Right. <laughs> Let's play some golf. Okay. Classic. I can't believe you're a professional golfer. I think you should be working at the snack bar. You better relax, Bob. And then they get into it, as you know, but uh, had to cut it there. <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic stuff. For me, it's this comes down to this. Yeah, the cliffhanger. I thought it was the Mountaineer game, the guy with the backpack, the Yodeler game. I found out this morning that it's called the cliffhanger game. I just forgot. That one was dramatic because you, we were waiting for that guy. If he fell off the edge, you lost. If he stopped near the top, that's right. Ding, 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 ding. Person just lost big that time. Person there. just lost big time. 204-780-6868. Your Bob Barker memories, whether they make you sick like Cam or not. We've got tickets to the Banjo Bowl for the best text this morning. It's Craig Mackling, Loren McNabb. Monday morning, our third M, Brett McGarry, returns on Wednesday. We are inviting your text messages at 204-780-6868. Your memories of Bob Barker. Some great stories coming across the line, including this one from Lisa Loren. Yeah, Lisa says, Bob Barker equals fond memories of my grandma. Her morning routine without fail was Peter Warren, followed by The Price is Right. The radio on top of her fridge would go off and her cute little TV on the kitchen counter would go on. That is adorable. That is a very vivid picture. Lisa, we appreciate you sharing that with us, and uh, the tie-in to CJOB never hurts, might I add. We start this hour with back to school. Most K-12 kids don't return to school until next week, but this morning, Loren, thousands of students at Red River College Polytech have their alarm set for the trek to either the Notre Dame campus or the one in the Exchange District. Yes, the fall term gets underway for RRC. Dr. Christine Watson is the Vice President of Academic at Red River and joins us now. Good morning, Dr. Watson. Good morning. Uh, You sound up, you've been up early or is this like you got your back to school outfit on and you're good to go? Absolutely. I'm sporting my Red River College Polytech t-shirt and we're out as a senior leadership team greeting students this morning as they're trying to make their way to class. So let's talk about enrollment this year. How many students and how might that compare to previous years? You know, we're seeing stronger enrollment this year compared to uh, previous years. We think that's a great opportunity. It shows 
real uh, confidence in students to come back to post-secondary. Uh, we're also seeing strong enrollment from international students who are looking to Manitoba and looking to RRC Polytech to further their education and their career aspirations. So we're seeing a strong enrollment in all of our programs across healthcare and business administration and IT. Um, so I think there's a real optimism and confidence in post-secondary and what it can do for people's futures and careers. Uh, Dr. Watson, with this rebranding of RRC Polytech over the last couple of years, and of course, uh, the, the different trades in particular, as I look to my kids and their future, they're looking at, at Red River, at least one of my two boys is. And so just talk about how popular this uh, this avenue of education has become. Is it as, a, as popular now as it's ever been in terms of of an option? Well, first, Greg, I just want to say we would love to have your uh, your your child come to RRC Polytech. Let me know if I can help. Um, the second is, I think, rebranding to Polytech was really an embrace of what we've always done. It really represents the combination of highly professional programs, technology-driven, uh, cutting-edge education. And I think that there's a real opportunity to, to see the Polytech experience as applied learning, really relevant to industry, job readiness training, um, and the opportunity to really look at interdisciplinary programs. We know every industry is going to be impacted or is already impacted by technology. So how do we leverage that expertise? How do we make sure that students um, are ready for the employers that are desperately looking for them? How do we make sure that employers are getting the students who can hit the ground running and are ready to really grow our economy in Manitoba? That's the, the take I've always had of Red River, uh, Dr. Watson, is this idea of collaboration and communication with industry and the school to make sure that we're filling needs in, in the business world, in manufacturing and, and all places in between. You know, we've just announced um, uh, our new Price Institute of Advanced Manufacturing and Mechatronics in June. That is a perfect example, Greg, of what you've just talked about, how we collaborate with industry. We listen very closely to our industry partners, in this case, advanced manufacturing, to say, how do we really set up um, our small and medium-sized enterprises? How do we set up our larger enterprises to make sure that they have the talent and skills necessary to move them forward? And in listening to industry and having those collaborative conversations, uh, we were able to secure a $10 million gift from the Price Family Foundation um, that really created an investment from the province and the federal government to say, yes, this is what Manitoba needs. And it was all a result of our close relationships with industry, listening very closely and saying, this is what the future needs, the Price Institute of Advanced Manufacturing and Metatronics. Excuse my ignorance. What does that mean? What does advanced manufacturing look like? What kind of jobs would that be? Or where would you work when you, when you go through that program? Lauren, that's a great question. So advanced manufacturing is really about bringing uh, industrial networking, the, the data science, bringing those um, relationships between technology and manufacturing. So it's not just about making uh, products. It's about gathering all the information and technology to apply to that. It's really the combination of IT, manufacturing, data science, to make sure that we are looking at efficient manufacturing, 
looking at sustainable manufacturing and looking at ways that technology can really increase productivity, but also um, create new products for um, Manitoba to really, you know, set stage for the global market. What's your most popular course right now? Do you know in terms of just Uh, the numbers you see or the questions that get asked about it? We have a lot of interest um, in our business administration programs. Um, we have a lot of interest in our engineering technology programs, a lot of interest in our IT programs, especially around cybersecurity, data science, game development, all those really cutting edge uh, technology areas, which are really interesting because we're seeing a lot of crossover between interest in things like cybersecurity and data science with our engineering programs. Because of course, um, that kind of technology is really coming into uh, play. We're also seeing very strong interest in early childhood education, our expansion, our, our recently announced expansion of seats in early childhood education, as well as our health sciences programs. So I would really say there's no area of, of our programming that isn't uh, untouched. We do have some opportunities for people to, if they're interested in areas like applied accounting or a pathway to, um, if they're not quite sure that they want to move into IT, we have a pathway in information technology that they can try it out and see what that uh, career might look like. So we've got both exploratory areas uh, that are available as well as uh, our other programs that are, are seeing very strong interest. We've run out of time here, Dr. Watson, but you mentioned enrollment being up. So what's that number around? Um, you know what? We we are still looking at applications. We're still looking at our enrollment. So we'll have those numbers uh, later on in the month when things settle out. Okay, Dr. Christine Watson, the Vice President of Academic at Red River College Polytech. She's got her college t-shirt on. I, you sound like you're about to go give off a whole bunch of high fives this morning, Dr. Watson. Absolutely. I'm ready to go. Fantastic. It's an exciting day for a lot of folks who uh, are are kickstarting and beginning their post-secondary education, maybe after a gap year, maybe after several years away from from secondary education, getting back into the workforce, or maybe it's just the next step. So everybody out there who's embarking on this part of their educational journey, congratulations to you. Have a fantastic day. asking about some of your prices right memories what does karen say yeah well not bob irving but bob barker was celebrating today and karen said we always watch the prices right show and we went to a prices right show in vegas a few years ago my husband was called on down he won and got on stage he played his favorite game loren plinko yes <laughs> said it wasn't the same big amount as on tv he won a smaller amount like 250 but she said it was so great watching him play, and it must be more exciting getting called on down to the real prices right show. So thank you, Karen. Keep that feedback coming. We start this half hour with a labor strife, as we've done many half hours over the last several weeks. The good news, doors will open as normal at most liquor marts across the province today as six weeks of job action comes to an end. So 1,400 workers voted to accept that latest offer from liquor and lotteries. But as that strike comes to a close, we know another battle is brewing. 1,700 workers with Manitoba Public Insurance hit the picket lines this morning. Kyle Ross is the president of the Manitoba General Employees Union and joins us now. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Well, I want to get through some of the numbers that are or aren't on the table because I think that the audience out there, the taxpayers, they hear one thing and maybe think another. So what was the latest offer you received, Kyle? 
For which group? Sorry. Sorry. Fair enough. For MPI. We're going to move past liquor and lotteries now and focus on MPI this morning. What was on the table as of Friday? Uh, It was uh, 2% per year with uh, an extra percent that hits a certain portion of the the group. And then the seventh step on the pay bond, which, again, would only hit about half the group. So for many of the people in this at MPI would only be getting 8% over the next four years. So, so MPI has thrown out a number of a, a monetary value of 17%. And so I don't want anyone to think that that means 17% in wage increases. How, how does that break down? I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I think if they're offering 17%, we'd gladly take it in wages. If they've allocated that amount of funds for, for uh, an improvement in, in our employees, we'll take that in wages at four and a quarter a year or any way they want to break it down. If they want to put that offer on the table, I think we'll gladly take it to our members, and I bet you the strike is over before it starts. But they're talking, if I look at what they're saying, the 17% includes the wage increase and then you know a market adjustment on wages, then a wage jump for some employees at the top of the pay scale. They're talking about benefits being part of that package as well. And so it's, um, it feels like it's hard to digest sometimes because each side plays a numbers game, but it's not 17% wage increases, to be clear. I can say we're not playing a numbers game. We've been very honest with the public about what they've offered us. We can show you the documentation if we had, if we had to. It's, they're being disingenuous with saying it's claiming it's 17%. And if they really believe it's 17%, we'd gladly take it in wages. I think it's really frustrating for the public to have all these games being played. And even for our members, our members see this and it actually enrages them because they know it's not 17%. We've been very clear with the, what the offer is and the employer's just trying to play games. Talk about the nuances of the negotiating strategy and, and behind the scenes a little bit, if you would, Kyle. You know, you talk about this whole idea. We're not even really sure how they get to 17. Uh, you'd, you'd prefer straight increases in terms of your pay. But you have these other things, these other aspects of your contract that that obviously are a part of of the compensation package. So just talk about some of the conversations that take place about those nuanced issues. Does it bog things down? Well, when the employer is trying to play games with the numbers, for sure it bogs things down. But we're just trying to get a fair deal for our members. We, We know what a fair deal is. We just recently seen one settle. We also know the premiers taking 3.3% and 3.6 for the five-year rolling average, and that's fair. We're not contending that's not a fair offer. And they're claiming to be offering a 17%, and we'd just like to see them put that on the table, put that put that in wages, because our members need it in wages. Their wages pay the bills. Their wages pay their mortgage. They, they pay for groceries. All these other things they claim to be don't do those things. Your ask is the same, though, at this moment as it was for liquor and lotteries, that 3% per year? Uh, the 3.35 year rolling average, I believe so. The committee controls a lot of those assets at the table. I, I don't sit at the table personally. The bargaining committee knows what the group needs and knows what the group wants. So they're the, they're the group that bargains with the employer. So. so when you did, when the liquor and lottery strike started, it was sort of a rolling strike, Kyle, right? Like some days there was strikes, some days there wasn't. Some days it was at the distribution center, some days it was at stores, and then you went into that full strike action. With this strike with MPI workers, 1,700 unionized employees, is it strike indefinitely? Is it just today? Is it maybe tomorrow? What's it look like for the future? No, it really depends on our bargaining committee and how they feel right now. We're, we're, we're open to a lot of things. We're really hoping to get back to the table is what we really want because they've basically done the same pattern as, as MBLL, this final offer, and then they're going to try, I guess, to wait us out. I don't know. I'd really like to get to the table and try to negotiate a settlement before this drags on too long. I think it's best in the best interest of Manitobans and it's best interest of the workers too. When was the last time we saw MPI workers on the picket lines, Kyle? I don't even know if it's ever been 
I read somewhere that it might have been for a one day in the seventies, but honestly, I don't. I honestly don't know. I've been trying to find that number as well to see if that ever happened before. Before we let you go, Kyle, what do you say to the public that might have a bit of fatigue right now with all this? And I'm not just pointing the finger at what's been going on with the crowns. There's, you know, Hydro had the threat to strike this year. We had uh, the largest union in, in the public sector federally strike. And so people might just be sort of fed up. What do you say to those who are out there listening right now thinking, oh, another one? I, I hear their frustration. I'm sure they're, they, they're frustrated as am I. I think we just, they got to look at this government and ask them to why aren't they offering fair wages and a fair increase? These things all could be avoided with a fair, a fair offer at the table. And Heather Stephenson and her government continues to think twos are fair. And with this high inflationary pressures, I, I just feel sorry for Manitobans that they end up, uh, facing a lot of the brunt of this, and it's unfortunate. One last question before we let you run, Kyle. The fact that we're heading into a provincial election campaign, there'll be a writ draw the next next several days to lead up to a blackout period in terms of announcements. Does that impact negotiations at all? Uh, We're not sure. We're still working that through. We're hoping we can bargain a deal in that time or before then. Uh, I don't don't really know. The government has said they're not involved with the crowns, but we know otherwise, so we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully we can get a deal done before that happens. All right, Kyle Ross, president of MGEU. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. You guys have a good one. All right, Kyle Ross. And uh, your feedback, 204-780-6868. Jason saying 17% total comp- compensation increase. Wages are only part of the value to employees. Everything else has value. Jason saying pretty sure no one there wants to actually see a cut Sure. You, you know, you're talking benefits and maybe your your package, you're talking about maybe top end wage increases. That all matters. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about the money that's coming into your pocket today to help you put food on the table. That seems to be the number you're that look, matters. You're looking at wages. 204-780-6868. Keep that feedback coming on our conversations this morning. MGEU, one strike is settled. Another one starts today. Back to school at Red River. Are you getting ready for back to school overall? And of course, our contest question. We want to send you to see the Blue Bombers and Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Well, we don't care about the Rough Riders, really. It's the fact that the Blue Bombers will be there. It's a sold-out game, the Banjo Bowl, coming up in about four 14, 13, 12 days time at IG Field. It's been sold out since July. We have tickets to give away your memories of Bob Barker. The price is right. So once again, southbound McPhillips. We have traffic backed up all the way to the perimeter highway. There are new traffic signals. I guess there's a new residential development going in in that area north of Inkster, a fair amount north of Inkster. Uh, Inkster, yes, I want to say. And so they're putting in traffic signals there. Imagine that, traffic signal installation in Winnipeg. But that's causing uh, the issue right now. They're, they have uh, work trucks going in and out of there. There's a flag person involved. And so, uh, yeah, if you can avoid that part of your drive, Take an alternate route. You may want to do that. And once again, one of our listeners, actually a couple now, saying westbound on Chief Pegwis Trail approaching Henderson Highway. That direction is also jammed up pretty good, Loren. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, construction. There's lots of different things going on out there that are impacting the commute this morning. And this is also, I think, the time of year where you start to see more cars on the road again, right? So many have been off 
for the summer with various vacation weeks. But as we have Red River College back to class today, uh, U of M is later this week. And then schools, right? A lot of people are just returning back to normal schedules. We might just have heavier traffic flow out there. So let us know what you're seeing. And of course, keep your feedback coming on the price of right with the passing of Bob Barker. Debbie says, good morning. My favorite memory of Bob Barker is when they called the next contestant to play This lady was so excited, she ran past the contestants' row, ran right up on stage, tried to give Bob Barker a hug. He actually ran away from her, and the cameraman was trying to shield him while she was trying to get him. Hilarious, says Debbie. One of our listeners wanted to know if Bob had ever been injured seriously by one of those excited contestants coming up on stage, jumping up and down, big hugs, that sort of thing. So your price is right, your Bob Barker memories Throughout the morning, we have tickets to give away the Banjo Bowl coming up in uh, two weekends' time. This weekend, of course, Sunday, Blue Bombers at Rough Riders. All your action right here on 680 CJOB. And tonight, it is the Coaches Show as part of the CJOB Sports Show. 7 till 8, Derek Taylor, the voice of the Blue Bombers, and Mike O'Shea, the head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, take your questions, your comments. Lots of engaging conversation for that hour this evening right here on 680 CJOB. We start this hour discussing hundreds of Winnipeggers and their impact that the storms had late last week with hail damaging shingles, windows, windshields, pergolas, gazebos, <laughs> and more in Transcona and uh, the Kildona neighborhoods. Loren, um, that's a uh, Got a lot of people saying, I need to contact MPI. Yeah, and if you're someone who has to make a claim with MPI, what does that process look like now that some 1,700 unionized workers at Manitoba Public Insurance are on strike, hitting the picket lines uh, officially this morning? Dennis Cloutier is the executive director of the Automotive Trades Association. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. Before we talk about the impact of the strike, how busy were you and, and shops that you represent before the strike? What was the situation, you know, weeks ago with eight backlogs or other? Well, I guess uh, it's we've had a significant backlog for uh, well over a year now uh, with parts to delays and uh, supply chain issues. Uh, if you had a claim, uh, you were probably waiting um, you know, a couple of months before you could get your vehicle repaired. And that's unusual, Dennis, at least from my experience. Tell us, you know, what we were that two month delay. Uh, Typically, when you have damage to your vehicle, you want it fixed as quickly as possible. I'm not necessarily convinced that would be within that that uh, normal range for most of us. Uh, normal range? No, I would say we're we're well beyond normal range. Um, you know, if we look at the history, I think uh, a healthy backlog for a, a collision center was probably in the three-week range was what they would hope for. So when you look forward from today onwards, and we don't know how long this strike might last, what do you think the impact will be? How are your uh, shops preparing? Because MPI says the contact center will stay open for personal injury claims and, you know, vehicles that are no longer <laughs> drivable and theft claims, and that... Otherwise, people can go to directly to the shop if they want uh, with their claim, say, for hail. So does that change anything for you? Do you expect things to be harder to get things done? I, we don't expect things to be harder to get done. Um, yes, uh, uh, the public can call an accredited repair shop directly now. They don't need to call MPI first. I think it's important for them to understand, though, that uh, even without the strike, uh, if they had called a shop this morning, um, it, there's still going to be significant delays to get their car repaired. 
Dennis, walk me through that process, if you wouldn't mind, because I've only ever dealt with, you know, first going to an MPI claim center, getting my claim number, them providing me with an estimate and me shopping around. Talk us through that idea of going directly to an an accredited (coughs) body shop to get that work done and skip that whole that whole visit to uh, MPI around the city. Yeah, we, that's been in place for some time now with the direct repair program. So if you had an accident and your car was still drivable, um, typically you would have called MPI to open a claim and get a claim number and go to a collision center and give them the claim number. Uh, now you can call the collision center. Uh, you can make an appointment to have your car looked at, uh, which you know hopefully you'll get in in a couple of weeks to have your car looked at. Uh, but you don't need the claim number first. Uh, the collision center will have a process now where they can initiate that claim process and they can continue with repairs. Um, you'll make a brief statement to the collision center, then they will submit that to MPI on your behalf. One thing that has changed over the past couple of years, uh, Dennis, is, you know, I used to go to those little, had a window, what do you call it, when you get the window, a rock hit my window. Like a and, chip? Yeah, a chip. Thank you. Lost the word there. And I would just go to one of those little kiosks in the mall and then just get that directly fixed. But that process has changed over the past couple of years because of back and forth between the cost and the parts and all the rest. And so where are we with trying to settle uh, what your members get paid via any claims from Windows or others? Well, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I completely understand the question there on the windshield claims. We, the, we still have a process for opening windshield claims. Uh, that has actually impacted very little by the labor dispute. Um, shops could always go directly to a glass repair shop and uh, have a claim opened on their behalf. Okay, maybe it's part of the process I went through that I did that incorrectly then. I could be. <laughs> we've been going back and forth, Greg and I, with how we've each done claims before in the past, and we both do it differently. So uh, the learning curve sometimes. Yeah, this whole idea of, of the of the direct service, I, I think, is super efficient, Dennis. What is the backlog? What is the problem? And what is creating the backlog? Is it the number of claims? We had so much snow over the winter and, and some lousy roads, or is it still supply chain issues? It's it's a combination of both. Um, you know, claims now are probably back to pre-pandemic levels. So, um, but we're still playing catch up. And then add to that uh, parts delays, which have greatly improved. Um, but if you're still missing one part, if you used to be able to get fifty percent of your parts on time, but now you get ninety-five percent of your parts, you're still missing one part. You cannot complete the repair, and then again, that just adds to the delays. Yeah, that's a really good point, Dennis Cluche, Executive Director, Automotive Trades Association. Just one quick question: We have a listener saying that um, is it true you don't need an MPI claim number for hail damage because they've tried to call three repair shops this morning, and they're saying they won't process anything without a claim number. Uh, I guess the messaging needs to get out clear. Uh, You do not need a claim number to call a collision center, but you have to understand that with the collision centers backed up, they may be wanting to coach their customers and inform the public that you can wait. uh, If you want to wait a bit, if your car is drivable, you can wait and make your claim in two weeks and three weeks when things settle down a little bit. But you uh, don't need a claim number to call a collision center right now. That includes hail. All right, Dennis, we appreciate you clearing up a bunch of stuff for us this morning. Uh, Godspeed to, to you and your members. Lots, lots of stuff going on. It's a, it's a busy time. So we appreciate you making time for us today. 
Thank you for your time. Dennis Cluche, Executive Director, Automotive Trades Association. Let's start this half hour with uh, last Thursday night. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers kicked off week 12 of the CFL season with a dis- decisive 47-17 win over the Montreal Alouettes. And three more games wrapped up the CFL week last night in Edmonton. This is an unbelievable number. That Did you do the math on this, Greg? I or? did. The Elks went 1,415 days without a home-filled win, ending a nearly four-year winless streak at Commonwealth Stadium. Bob Irving joins us now. Good morning, Bob. Hi, Lorraine and Greg. How are you doing? I'm good. I can't believe that. I mean, I knew it was bad for them, particularly at home, but that that number is incredible. I wanted to ask you, Bob, would longtime Blue Bomber fans be forgiven for not exactly being heartbroken by Edmonton's difficult times as of late? Yes, they would be forgiven for sure. Uh, you know, the the Edmonton franchise for so many years and decades really was the model franchise in the league and one that uh, fans here didn't particularly like. So the suffering they've gone through, I, I don't think would trouble many people here, although you'd have to have at least a, a small cord of sympathy for them because for their fans, not so much for the team, but for their fans to suffer through a period like that. But it all changed last night. Uh, they beat Ottawa 30-20. to 20. They've got that young Canadian quarterback, Trey Ford, who's breathed really new life into the Edmonton team this year with his performance the last two games. And so we'll see if they can keep it going. They're 2-9, and nine, which is a horrendous record. But the way things are shaping up in the West, they could track down the Calgary Stampeders, who are 3-8. and eight. And uh, those two teams will meet now back-to-back in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, things are looking up in Edmonton, and they – couldn't uh, they couldn't really do anything other than look up after the horrible period they've gone through you make a great point bob the blue bombers are now completely in control of their own destiny in the west they simply need to match the bc lines win for win the rest of the way to clinch home field advantage for the west final what has happened with the leos they've now lost three of their past four games well i think greg to some degree without sounding kind of uh like we're sitting on top of the mountain here in Winnipeg, they've been exposed a little bit. They lost in Saskatchewan to the Rough Riders, and that's a tough place to play on any given weekend, and the Bombers will find that out this weekend when the Labor Day Classic. And then the Hamilton Tiger Cats went into Vancouver on the weekend and dominated the BC Lions, and again, the Lions were, I think, exposed a little bit there. Their defense uh, isn't as good as people thought it was early in the season. They've got a, a lighter defensive front. You can run the ball on them, and that's what the Tiger Cats did with great success. And then Vernon Adams, their quarterback, has been a little bit erratic of late, um, as he's been throughout his entire career. So, I mean, the path is clear for the Bombers now. They're 9-2. and two. The Lions are 7-4. and four. There's seven games left for each team, but do the math. And the Bombers really talk about controlling things. They have total control thanks to the help they've received in the last two weeks and thanks to the fact that they keep on winning and had that impressive win over Montreal last week. So things are shaping up, and we all know much can change as each week goes by, and we've seen that with BC. Things are shaping up for the Bombers to host the West Final for the third year in a row. So you referenced the top of the mountain, Bob. So let's go to the top of the mountain and talk about who is on top. One of the most entertaining games of the week last week was Toronto winning again, this time at home versus the Stampeders. Are the Argos the best team in the league or is it Winnipeg? And really, can one answer that fairly? 
No, one can't, Loren. <laughs> we, we'll find out more in a few weeks here when the Argos come to Winnipeg to play the Blue Bombers, the one and only meeting between those two teams this season. The Bombers go back-to-back with Saskatchewan now, then they visit Hamilton, and then at the end of September, they host the Argos, who are 8-1 and and looking very good. There's no disputing that. I think Bomber fans kind of, uh, you know, put their noses up in the air when people suggest that Toronto's the better team. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Toronto did win the Grey Cup last year, so I think we have to give them their due, and they're having really an outstanding season this year. But that game on the 29th of September is going to tell us a lot about who is number one. Right now it's a toss-up. Uh, Bombers 9-2, and two, Argos 8-1. and one. And we'll have to wait a few weeks uh, for that head-to-head meeting. But those, are, those two teams now have emerged as the cream of the crop with the BC Lions having slipped a little bit. But as I always say, things can change in this league from week to week, and they often do. So let's not get too carried away with who's number one and who's number two and who's number three right now. There's still seven games left in this season, and things can and often do change quickly. Well, I was just taking a look at the at the CFL schedule for not only this weekend, but of course the Blue Bombers hosting Saskatchewan and the and the Banjo Bowl September 9th. And we're accustomed to seeing Toronto and Hamilton do the back to back and the uh, you know the uh, one game in Hamilton, one game in Toronto, the rematch. And they're not doing it that this year. It's one of my pet peeves with the CFL schedule. There there is some predictability to it, but Bob, you mentioned the fact that we have to wait until September 29th, like ten months yeah. essentially for a Grey Cup rematch. That's ludicrous, isn't it? Well, sure it is, and. You know, I've said many times over the years that scheduling is difficult. Uh, It's stadium availability and all the rest of it. There's a lot of things that go into scheduling. But I think the league should have made at least two meetings between Winnipeg and Toronto mandatory this year after they played in the Grey Cup last year. So they only meet once. It's here in Winnipeg, which is great for the Bomber fans. Uh, But why not a game in Toronto between the Bombers and the Argos? That would have been a natural. And somehow... Uh, the league couldn't pull it off. So, yeah, it's the kind of thing that happens every year, and you kind of shake your head and say, why could they not make this a priority and say, look, whatever we do with the schedule this year, we're going to have to schedule two Winnipeg-Toronto games. We just have to, because they played in the Grey Cup, so it's a natural. But it didn't happen, and it's something that, uh, well, it's not a surprise, but it's disappointing. It really is disappointing. Yeah, I find it kind of goofy. Anyway, yeah. we'll move on from that, Bob. Uh, there'll be lots of time to talk about this in the week leading up to the matchup on the 29th. You mentioned Regina, and the Blue Bombers know this as a franchise. Probably most of these players on this team don't care about the history necessarily of the outcome of the Labor Day Classic in Regina. But we've seen over the years some of the best Blue Bomber teams go into Regina and come out without a win. Yes, uh, and I've been there for a lot of those games, Greg, as you well know, and it's uh, it's kind of it's hard to explain in one sense, but in another it's not. I was told once years ago that the fans in Saskatchewan and the team is aware of this, the players and the riders are aware of this. Whatever you do during the season, Saskatchewan Rough Riders beat the Bombers on Labor Day weekend. That's all we care about. You can go 1-17, and we don't care, just beat Winnipeg on the Labor Day weekend. Well, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but yeah, the Riders get up for the game, and even the new players on the two teams who aren't aware of the history, Greg, they're made aware of it 
by the coaches and the players who've been around for a few years. They understand completely, and the Bomber players do. They understand the rivalry now. Even if they've only been here for a year, they get it because they've heard so much about it. And the same in Saskatchewan. So the Rough Rider players, well, they'll have a full house in Regina, and they will be ginned up to knock off the Bombers. And remember, again, this is the Bombers coming in, been in the Grey Cup the last three years. Everybody wants to beat them. It'll be a tough game for Winnipeg. I will say this, in recent years, and Greg and Lorraine, you know this, the Bombers have had tremendous success in Regina. They have owned the Rough Riders both here and in Regina in the last two or three years. So they'll go in there with lots of confidence, but it's a difficult environment. Uh, The noise factor is close to what visiting teams get here in Winnipeg. Saskatchewan is now they're using the number three quarterback in Jake Doligala, so that I would think would give uh, the Bombers an edge in terms of the betting line because Winnipeg will go in there very healthy. But it's never an easy game to win, and that uh, wouldn't be any different this year, I wouldn't think. We're working very hard to not jinx both the outcome of this LDC, Bob, as well as the weather this weekend. So we're just, I think we have to leave it there. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm cool with that. Bob, if we don't speak to you uh, later on in the week, are you heading out to Regina? No, I've been there often enough. Been there, done that. I'll I'll just sit here in the comfort uh, of of home and uh, take in the game that way. (laughs) The the Pilsner is colder and it's a lot less expensive and you don't have to be in Regina for 24 hours. Yeah, you don't have to put up with the Saskatchewan fans. And uh, Hey, come on. Now, the trip there every year was always something special from a football perspective, but... uh, as I say, I've made it often enough. I'll leave it to Derek and Doug to deal with uh, to deal with going to Regina for a Labor Day game. All right, the legend himself, Bob Irving. We always appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you for this. Okay, guys.